Good morning. I want to welcome you to the First Baptist Sandy Springs. We're here to worship the Lord, and that's what we'll be doing. A couple of announcements I want to make beforehand. Uh, we're having a little choir rehearsal after the church today for about 30 minutes for those of you who would come and sing in the homecoming choir, which is on the 18th of this particular month. Also, the young lady who's scheduled to sing called and told me that she was sick and will not be here this morning. So there will be a little change in the bulletin. So if you see things that are strange or hear things that are strange, you'll know that's the reason why. Okay, let's stand as we sing together and as we celebrate the Lord.
sermon I'm doing today, I had ready a couple of weeks ago and changed my mind. It did something else. And then the shooting happened in El Paso. And I thought about changing it, and I didn't. And then I wake up this morning and read of another shooting in Dayton, Ohio, another 10 or so. And thought about changing again. But I think it's a good place for us to begin. I think it's a good way to get our attention about what this world needs. This world needs revival. This country this world and you've always heard and I know it's a cliche but where does it begin it begins with us right and so today the sermon the 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 bulletin you see a, a odd little picture blessing or curse today I seek to answer the question are we a blessing or are we a curse and if we're honest the answer could be both depending on which one of us pops out Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde can come to mind. And so we as God's children have to really work at being consistent in our lives. And there's so much at stake here. If we choose to be inconsistent for one moment, we can lose a lot of people. If we choose to not be Christ-like every moment of every day, the kingdom suffers. And so the revival has to begin in, in our lives and and how we live and how the world sees us live. Several years ago in Mississippi, a flash flood was coming and had come. And there was a senior adult apartments in a little valley. And the water had already gotten into the parking lot and was getting into the apartments just about to get in there. So they brought little flat boats in to take the people out. And my friend Betty McGall woke to someone knocking on her door and she went to the door and they said, you've got to evacuate, the flood is coming, grab the essentials and let's go. And Betty grabbed the essentials. She grabbed a pair of Sunday shoes and the remote control to her television. That's what she grabbed. Now maybe she wasn't good and awake yet, but that's all, and she laughed about it later on, but she grab that. Sometimes it's hard to decide what's most important. Sometimes it's difficult in deciding what's most important. One day a man asked Jesus, what's most important? And I want us to see the reply. Matthew 22, beginning at verse 36. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? What's the most important thing? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If you get this right, everything else will be good. Love God with all you got and love your neighbor. Here Jesus is talking about relationships. First and foremost, we're supposed to take care of our relationship with God. And then we should take care of all the other relationships. But we have to do it in that order. God has to be first and then the others will come second. We can't do others first and then God. It doesn't work that way because we need God to love others. If our relationship with God isn't what it should be, 
all of our other relationships will suffer. For proof of that, you know the story from Luke chapter 10 of another person asking a question. It's the same kind of question we saw in Matthew, really. An expert in religious laws one day stood up to test Jesus by asking one question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? What's most important? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe he'd heard Jesus say that before. Right, Jesus said, do this and you will live. The man had one more question. And you know the question. He thought he loved God and his neighbors, the one to his left and to his right, the ones that were like him. And he wanted Jesus to define neighbor. So he asked in verse 29, who is my neighbor? And then we see Jesus' story, beginning at verse 30 of Luke 10. Jesus replied with the story, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. When he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than it is, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, The one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, Now go and do the same. I tell you this story that you know so well because I would argue the priest and the Levite, the assistant, walked by because their relationship with God wasn't right. If they were in tune with God, they never would have passed by. A good question is asked in 1 John chapter 3. Look at this one. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? We could ask that question of the priest and the Levite. If we're going to love all people, we've got to love God first. If you have dealt in business before with customers, I've heard people say that you're going to have difficulty if you deal with the public. Have you heard that one? If you deal with the public, Jesus says, love me and love the public. Love me and love the public. Again, we have to do it in order. God has to be first. And then through his strength, we can love the public. So that gets to us now in this room who profess Christ. Are we a blessing to the public? Are we a curse to the public? They're both in us. I thought about these shooters that took lives this weekend. They chose to be a curse to the world around them. But they just as easily could have chosen to be a blessing. That option was in their lives. But they chose to ignore it. And when you ignore that option, horrible things can occur. I want to look at an example of a biblical person who chose to be a curse. Job chapter 1 beginning at verse 13. 
You know the story. It says, one day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them. The Sabaeans fell on them and carried them off and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. So all the animals are gone, the farm animals. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. I've alone escaped to tell you. What a day. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The Chaldeans formed three columns, made a raid on the camels and carried them off and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I've alone escaped to tell. While he was speaking, another one comes. Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house. Suddenly a great wind came across the desert, struck the four corners of the house. It fell on the young people and their dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And just like that, Job has lost children and all the things that he had. Scripture says, Job arose, tore his clothes, shaved his head, fell on the ground, and he then worshipped. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, Naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrongdoing. Job was right with God. And because he was right with God, he was able to deal with anything that came his way. And that's important for all of us. But let's look at one who wasn't so right. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and inflicted loathsome sores on Job, from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, Job took a potsherd with which to scrape himself, and he sat among ashes. And then his wife said to him, Do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. What a lovely woman. Now, I realize, too, that she had great loss. She has been through the ringer along with Job. Job fell down and worshipped and did not charge God. But Mrs. Job decides you should just curse God and die. We learn a great deal about people in the midst of trials, don't we? And we do here. Job seeks to continue in his integrity. He seeks to continue loving God, and the Mrs. decides to be a curse. It seems clear that her relationship with God was lacking. They'd been through the same thing. So her husband and her relationship with him was lacking too. She had opportunity to help and she failed miserably. Here's a hint. If we always love, we will always be a blessing. Sounds simple, but it's hard, isn't it? If we always choose love, we will always be a blessing. There are some words in James 3 that help us relate to this, beginning at verse 8. One thing that we can work on. No one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing coming from the same mouth, surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. And it's not. And we can choose what comes out wherever we are and whatever we do. And we can be a blessing or a curse. 
The cure to this Jekyll and Hyde dilemma is found in chapter 4 of James, verses 7 and 8. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And I'll add, you have to choose. And what we choose makes us a blessing or a curse. Verse 8 is one of my favorites. Draw close to God and God will draw close to you. When we draw close to God, then we will learn to love others. I told you this story several months ago of my friend Claire. Jeannie and I saw Claire's parents and Claire the 4th of July when we were in Mississippi. Claire's 30-something. And last year her car was stolen. She was in Atlanta on business and we got to visit with her and eat with her one day. And I drove her back downtown where she was staying. And as we were riding, I asked Claire, is there anything that I can pray for for you? And she thought for a second, and she looked at me, and she said, pray for the people that stole my car. Can you imagine? Is that not the perfect answer? Is that not a godly answer? Pray for the people that stole my car? I was amazed at the answer. Because Claire's right with God. And because Claire's right with God, she's going to be right with others, and she's going to be a blessing. We're told to be blessings. Let's close with these words from Romans about how we are to be blessings. 12.9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Even bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So be a blessing, not a curse. I've heard before there are two reasons people aren't Christians. Number one, they've never met a Christian to lead them to Christ. And the other reason they're not a Christian is because they have met a Christian. And they don't want what they see. Because they one that they saw was a curse and not a blessing. So what is your reputation? With God? With your family? With the world? Are you a blessing or a curse? What are you going to do about it? We all began agreeing because of stuff in the news. This world needs revival. This world needs blessing. A room like this with people who decided that's what I'm going to do. Be a blessing everywhere I go. And in my prayer life, pray for that blessing. That could change this world.
Do you believe that? I do. I hope we do something about it. Let's pray. Father, it is clear that you love this world so much that you sent Jesus into it to die for the sins. And there are so many sins. Father, what Charlie said in the offertory prayer is so true. You are in charge. But there's warfare going on in this land. And one day we know that you're going to put a stop to it. And one day we know every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Until that time, Lord, let us do our part. Let us be blessings. Yes to each other. And so in our church, it is a church of love and grace and fellowship. But also outside of this place, wherever we find ourselves. Father, help us to be blessings to our families, our co-workers, our neighbors, the people that we encounter always. Father, we pray for revival in our lives, in our church, in our land that desperately needs Jesus. We pray this in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you this week as you're a blessing to the world around you.